Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it is so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. This is our final episode of 2015, so big happy holidays, happy new year, and thanks to everybody who's supported the show all year. You guys are the best. You guys are the best. Uh, yeah, the next episode you'll see is our magical mystery tour of, of Hawaiian vacations. Yeah, uh, should that we should come out that? the first week of January, so you're not confused. Uh, yeah, Tom and I are, are going on vacation together, kind of. Yeah, well, well we are, yeah, you're going with your husband and I'm going mm-hmm. with my wife to the same place at the same time. Yes, planned that way. Exactly, not intentionally. An accident. Intentionally. Uh, and then... When we would normally have our show on January 5th uh, is right in the middle of the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, which Veronica is going to be working her whole body off. Like her yes. body will fall off of her somehow. Were you about um, to say balls? I, I, I'm watching you on video and it looked like you were about to say balls. I was about to say butt. And then okay, I realized okay. that that did not, that was not enough. That, that mm-hmm. you were going to be working even more than just your It's a whole off. body experience. Yeah. Uh, so we won't be able to squeeze out a recording on January 5th, but we don't want to cheat you. So we are taking time from our vacation to record an episode that will come out on January 5th. That's how much we love you. That's, we love you that much. We love you that we much. Do. We don't, we're not even mad about it. No, I'm excited about it. We're yeah, going to talk gonna about fun. stuff we're reading. We're going to be talking about, I don't know, maybe a little bit of news. I guess we'll see how the, yeah. how the mood and the Mai Tais take us. <laughs> <laughs> the mood and the Mai Tais. That's the, that should be the title of that episode. The mood and the Mai Tais. Don't forget to put that in the template for next week's episode, Tom. All right, I'm going to do that. I'm do actually going to do that right Good. now. The mood and the Mai Tais. All right. Well, let's uh, kick off this particular episode with what are we drinking? Uh, Tom, it looks like you are quaffing some kind of dark beer over there. Uh, yeah. Hold on. The mood and the Mai Tais. The Mai Tais. The mood. And- I'm not drinking a Mai Tai. Uh, I am drinking a Guinness, a celebratory holiday Guinness. I find Guinness like particularly fits the holidays to me somehow. It's dark and it's not warm, but it's, you know, comfortable. It's, it's filling. Creamy. It's comfortable. Yeah. Just seems, all the things you want out of a hearty I mean, beer. I will drink a Guinness any time of the year, trust me. But it just seems exceptionally perfect around the holidays. Yeah, I usually have a glass of wine or, you know, we had some beer left over from Thanksgiving. Um, and last night I wanted to drink and I was like, oh, maybe I'll have a beer. a beer. But then it was raining out and it was cold. I was like, no, I'm going to drink a whiskey instead. Ah, good choice. What are so you I having? Did. So tonight I'm having a uh, bullet rye, just going old school. Uh, I've been drinking a lot of the uh, the Nika, N- Niku recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wanted to save that for more special occasions. It doesn't have to be That's evening funny. time drinking. Yeah. Um, I uh, yeah. I had a little Talisker 18-year-old scotch earlier today uh, to celebrate the final Daily Tech News Show recording of the year. Uh, and it was it was sent to me by viewers two years ago. And it's still good. Wow. Still That's really awesome. Good. Yeah, but that I stuff that doesn't go bad. Too. Yeah. yeah. Well, it does it go bad? I mean, I guess it could go bad. I mean, eventually. Eventually. It takes, it takes a, a while. long time. Yeah. Somewhere out there, our Japanese whiskey guy is like, I can tell you exactly how long it takes for it to go bad. I think bad. we'll be dead before it goes bad, but I'm not sure, certain about that. 
All right. Well, you know what, Tom? It's time for the quick burns. So this being the uh, holiday season, of course, we are on the cusp of the new year, which means that all of the lists are coming out. Every single list that everyone wants to make. So, of course, uh, io9 kicks things off. You mean Gizmodo? Oh, you're right. You mean io9? You mean Gizmodo? You mean io9.gizmodo.com? Oh, that makes me kind of sad. I'm Why'd still confused that? by that. As long too. as my RSS feed still shows just the io9 posts, I'll be fine. But mm-hmm. if I have to combine them eventually, I'm not sure. Anyway. Well, Gizmodo is going much more the lifestyle brand yeah, type thing. And so I guess it kind of makes sense, but I, I'm, I'm a little confused. But io9 via Gizmodo um, has their list of the 2015 uh, very best science fiction and fantasy books. And a lot of a lot of familiar faces over here, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, some familiar faces and some unfamiliar faces. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're thinking, did we read good books this year? Look at this. You'll see books you read on here and you'll feel good like, aha, I read at least what Andrew Liptek thinks are good books. Uh, but also there's some really good suggestions. For instance, I don't know how I missed... The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers, but it looks fantastic. You know, frankly, I haven't read a single book on this list so far I'm, as I'm scrolling down. Oh, no, you have. I have. I'll get, I I'll get to have. one that I've read. Yeah, you will. Eventually. It, it, you know, it's funny. For Sword and Laser readers, It all our books are towards the bottom. Like Ancillary oh, yeah. okay. Mercy by Anne Leckie is there. Uprooted. Um, yeah, Dark Forest, Chishin Lu. I know some people have read The Grace of Kings, Ken Lu. Uh, but then we actually get some of our picks on farther down. Yeah, we got, as I mentioned, Uprooted. Oh, I just finished uh, Seven Eves. Yep, there you go. Um, which was not a sword and laser pick, but was... Uh, I read was, that as well, though. Yeah, uh, we should talk about that sometime. Maybe we'll talk about that Ooh. on our Mai Tai episode. <laughs> Mai Tais and Seven Eves. <laughs> uh, anyway, absolutely recommend going and paging through this for some more ideas. It even includes next month's pick. Which we will get to later in the episode, so stay tuned. Which one will it be? Stay tuned. Like, we need them to stay tuned for some reason, but it's still fun. Uh, hey, you know what? Margaret Atwood is going to be doing a graphic novel. Thanks to Trike for posting this. Uh, the main character is part cat and part bird named Angel Catbird. Yes! Uh, kind of Mary Sue, if you ask me. Uh, Dark Horse editor Daniel Chabon calls it a strange mix of the spirit, animal man, and squirrel girl, a humorous, action-driven, pulp-inspired story with a lot of cat puns. Is this not written for you? I think it's basically written for me. Yeah, you are the target audience here. I I don't I have no complaints about that either. I'm I'm totally I'm on board. I don't read a lot of graphic novels, but Angel Catford could be the one that uh that gets me involved. Yeah. Uh and Margaret Atwood uh has written I, I did not know this till I read the Salon article, has has written comics before, autobiographical comics about her book tours and interviews that are apparently hilarious. I would check that out, too. She contributed a set of these to uh, The Secret Loves of Geek Girls, an anthology of comics and essays. Very cool. Uh, Also, David posts that apparently Neil Gaiman is, uh, Gaiman, sorry, is working on a film adaptation of Gormenghast. Uh, He says, I've never heard of this series, but apparently it's one of those classics that impact a lot of authors. This is something that I probably should be embarrassed to admit I've never read, uh, but Mervyn Peake's Gormenghast series was praised by the likes of C.S. Lewis. Uh, the books are three novels, Titus Grown, which came out in 1946, Gorman Gast, uh, which came out in 1950, and Titus Alone, which came out in 1959. Maybe this could be a future sword and laser pick. Yes, maybe it could. It's fantasy. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it's would be a sword pick, roughly-ish. Uh, but yeah, Mervyn Peake passed away in 1968, and it, you emerged five years ago. He had written a page and a half of notes about a fourth book in the series. So I don't know if the television series would take advantage of that. Oh, that would be cool. I, I feel like we don't get a lot of that. Um, yeah. You know, maybe, well, I don't want well, to I guess talk about worst case scenarios. His but. wife, Maeve Gilmore, uh, finished that fourth book, Titus Awakes, and published it in 2011, um, hmm. but still... This is that's that's interesting. She that's, must have been a lot younger, I guess, or she's or... a wizard. <laughs> uh, Keith posted that Lev Grossman has written a guide to the magicians, uh, the TV show for fans of the magicians, the book to allay their fears and confusions. Uh, I guess the first episode had a sneak peek premiere on sci-fi and you can't find it anywhere else. Uh, Once it actually returns to air for real, you'll be able to subscribe to it through iTunes and places like that or just watch it on sci-fi, the network that it'll be on. Uh, But he, he explains like, look, there are things that are different and it has to do with the fact that you tell stories differently on TV. Here are the things that are different just to prepare you. So he says, for example, the characters are a few years older than in the books. They're entering graduate school rather than college. Also in the books, we don't learn about... I don't know what's spoilery here. Um, yeah. I'll, I'm gonna I mean, be, if, the, if you guys want to read it, go read it. Yeah. That'll Janet's name is Margot. That's a big difference, I guess. That's yes. um, spoilery. <laughs> Especially if you're Janet. And Penny is much more badass than Penny in the books. And the rest of the series is scheduled to premiere January 25th. Uh, 12 episode series. Lev Grossman is a huge fan of the show. (laughs) And he was involved in the writing. He didn't write any of the episodes, but he was apparently involved in the discussions around each episode. And he even says he fought some things that they wanted to change and then they brought him around to their way of thinking. And he realized, no, that's the better way to tell the story on TV. This is very cool. Paul says the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, has released their own speculative fiction collection uh, featuring Bruce Sterling, Cory Doctorow, and many more. Um, I think that is very, very cool. And so this is over on the EFF website. It's called Poning Tomorrow, a speculative fiction anthology. Um, and this is, uh, yeah, let's see, we got a lot of great people. Charlie Jane Anders, Paolo Bacigalupi, Madeline Ashby, David Brin, Cory Doctorow, as mentioned, Neil Gaiman. Uh, that's, you know, that was a little under the radar there. I Neil guess. Gaiman, I know, right? <laughs> Ramas Nam. Rudy uh, Rucker's in there. Bruce Sterling's in there. Charles Yu is in there. Hanu Raji, uh, Rajani Emi. Rajani Emi. Uh-huh. Uh, Ars oh, Technica's, I was so close to getting that right. Uh, Ars Technica's Annalie Newitz is in there. I said that. Did you say that? You don't I, listen to me when I talk. You don't listen to me. I said Cameron Hurley. I didn't say Cameron Hurley. See? David <laughs> Brin? Did you say David I, Brin? I did. Did you? I, th- I think you I sure? did. did I want this. You? Anyway, Can I? where can I buy this? You can uh, download it. You don't even it, have to buy it. Course. Just go get it. It's Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Uh, although you can make an optional contribution to support the EFF if you wish. So cool. Very, very cool. Go get it right away and make a donation if you can. That is super rad. Uh, Another thing that's super rad is what Sandra let us know. The Man in the High Castle, the Amazon television series based on the book, is greenlit for season two. That's what we say here in Los Angeles, Veronica. It's greenlit. It's greenlit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. That's that's Hollywood. For that clarification. Uh, No, yeah. They they said it. uh, There's some reports that it is the most watched Amazon series yet. What? No. Really? Yeah. What? What? Really? Wow. I'm impressed. I'm yeah. really impressed because there's some good stuff on Amazon I know. right now. Uh, I, I can kind of see it. Transparent is their most popular. 
Love it. Or has been, and certainly mm-hmm. the most, uh, receiving the most accolades, rightly so, in my opinion. Catastrophe. Uh, yeah, I could I could see the man in the high castle having an even wider appeal because it's, mm-hmm. you know, alternate history and war and, and all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, who knows? But that's that's very exciting. Good. I, I, I as I mentioned, uh, I don't know if I think I mentioned on this show, but I, I did just start watching the first episode. Finally, there's so much great TV I need to catch up on. I'm only two episodes in on The Expanse right now. Oh, you uh, are? Yes. How are you liking it? It's pretty it's it's. I just vacillated between it's pretty good, it's great, it's I, I it's it's good, it's very good. It's I need more time things. with it. I need yeah, to. you do, and you can get all four episodes if mm-hmm. you buy them, uh, which I did, and I was just blown away. Uh, every episode gets better, in my opinion. And okay, cool. And the episode where they finally show the Rosinante for the first time, uh, I'm not going to say cry? anything else, but. It, I cried. No, I didn't cry. I teared up, though, a little bit. Like yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, there it is. They're coming together. And uh, when you buy it, the season passed, you actually get all these behind-the-scenes interviews. And Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham are interviewed. They were in the writer's room for the entire run. And so they explain some of the choices, like even more so than the guide that we got about the magicians. They In these interviews, they're explaining, uh, this is why we decided to make them not know each other as well as they did in the book when they were on the ice freighter, because it's a better way to introduce you to these characters as they get to know each other, mm. um, which is really cool. And it, I think it's working. Anyway, I'm I'm loving it. I, it was hard. I because I, I read the book a long time ago for Leviathan Wakes, and so Ryan kept asking me like, "What is going on? What what is happening? Who are these people?" And I was like, oh, "I can only give you a very broad explanation of what's happening right now." Um, but I did my best, so I, I'm gonna keep watching. Though I'm excited about it. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm an Expanse fanboy now, so I'm probably not even. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm probably not even being objective, uh, but I love this crew so much. Having read all of the books, uh, that seeing them come to life on the screen has been Tom, really fun. We're not journalists here. We are not. You don't need to be objective. You you can you are allowed to be a fanboy. That is a hundred percent okay. That's why we did the show because we were fanboys and fangirls of of this stuff. All right, as long as that's clear to everyone. Let your passion shine through. <laughs> let it shine through. Hey, and we want people to let their passion for new books shine through in our Ink Shares collection. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is going strong. I am very proud of everyone who has so far submitted a a book or a manuscript or an idea. Um, it's it's going great over there. There's been a lot of great uh, pre-orders. People are writing updates about their stories all the time. Um, and so I'm I'm pretty stoked on how things are going so far on, on the latest collection contest, the sequel. Uh, right now, The Animal in Man is leading on the leaderboard, uh, followed by... This one gives me a hard time because the, the title is so small on the cover. You know what the, ha- what the life hack is? Just hover what? over and then Does read it work? out of the URL. Last oh, machine in the smart. solar system. The last machine in the solar system. Um, I like the art is cool, but it is very difficult to read the mm. the name of the book on there. Um, and then the children children of the forest is also doing really well, and he the author has been really really working hard promoting this over on He's Twitter. He's got two books uh, in the top Gillen. ten. That's that's kind of awesome. Uh, He's flooding, flooding the charts. Deus Hex Machina hanging in there at number four, though. Mm-hmm. I'm liking that book. That's, Not too that's far behind. the woman who is possibly a mermaid, secretly a mermaid. Oh, cool. Uh, so, yeah, I wanted, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to read 
three of the summaries of of eight, nine, and ten. Okay. Uh, except that eight is Brian Gilman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I feel like Brian's doing a really good job. He's got two in here. So anyway, that one's the darkest places. A, an ancient artifact buried below Cairo brings three individuals together. It's cool. Not not trying to, but I figure like we give the bottom folks a little uh, a little plug. And for those who haven't checked it out yet, this is the kind of stuff you can pre-order for like five dollars and possibly help someone get published maybe even become part of the Sword and Laser collection. Uh, Suffrage, The First World Key by Julian Green and Finn McRae. Uh, the mission might change two worlds. There is something hidden on Earth that could change the fate of two worlds. There's also a secret so immense it's worth killing and dying for. A small group of freedom fighters must change the fate of their own world by coming to ours. But mm. at what cost? What cost? How much? Five dollars. That's the cost actually to pre-order uh, that and then alan tucker's <laughs> the devil you know two alien races vie for control of earth decimating the human population and hell is not pleased the <laughs> denizens of the underworld have decided it's time to fight back whoa that sounds really cool i know it's like the, what the devil you know that's a good title you're invading our earth oh no that is oh no earth. this is we, we yeah no no this is our territory yeah so anyway folks if you haven't submitted a story or a novel, and you want to be part of the collection, it's not too late to do that. Do it now. Go to swordandlaser.com, look for the Inkshares poster, just search at inkshares.com. Uh, but definitely go and pre-order one of these books. You will not be sorry. You'll be getting in on the ground floor of what could be a future classic. I downloaded, a, uh, I download, well, I purchased, pre-ordered rather, uh, the ebook and the uh, print edition hard copy of uh, Sloth Love. Mm, Sloth Love, you um, say. Yes, I'm excited to uh, check out Sloth Love. This is not a genre fiction book. It is a uh, an inspiring and intimate visual journey into the world of sloths. Oh, so it's not sloth punk? No, it's not sloth punk. It's just uh, really cute pictures of sloths, <laughs> which I'm partial to. So they have all sorts of things on ink shares, <laughs> all sorts of stuff for every taste. So if there's nothing in the Sword and Laser collection, keep looking. But I think there will be. I think you'll find something you enjoy. Absolutely. All right. Well, now it is time for Bury Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And uh, this is going to be kind of bleeding into our book uh, coverage a little bit this month because we always take your suggestions and forum posts about the most recent book pick. So I think it kind of fits into Bury Your Sword as well. Um, so this is think of it as a combo, Bury Your Sword slash Book of the Month discussion. Um, I didn't find a lot of things to talk about outside of the book this week, um, but I wanted to talk about a book that I just picked up. Um, actually, they sent it to me for review, and normally I don't do reviews, and I don't. We don't do reviews. Let's we just, don't. Let's period. Just do state reviews. that you can send us books. I will unbox them and make a YouTube video about them, but mm -hmm. we do not ever promise to read them. But this one, for some reason, it just it really kind of you just started got, reading it. Yeah, I started reading it, and I, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's called Tales of the Apocalypse. Uh, it's edited by David Bruns. Oh, they misspelled tales, though. They yeah. They spelled it T-A-I. Because it's about animals. What? 
Yeah, it's about animals. You better believe it. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's kind of fantastic. It's uh, it, The Walking Dead meets The Incredible Journey in 14 Amazing Tales by today's most talented independent authors, seven stories set in all new dystopian landscapes, and seven stories set in the best-spelling post-apocalyptic worlds of David Adams' Symphony of War, Michael Bunger's Pennsylvania, Nick Cole's Wasteland Saga, Hank Garner's Weston Files, E.E. E. Georgie's uh, Miyake Chronicles, and Dear ghouls after the cure and edward w robertson's breakers very nice and the first story is really sweet and uh their uh one dollar from every copy is uh benefits pets for vets at petsforvets.com um so it's a good cause and it's about animals and it's a apocalyptic tale so it's got everything we all love five bucks not bad bad for kindle for a kindle 15 bucks you can get a paperback actually and it's available on audible too and customers who bought this item also bought Agent Smith and the Naughty Elf, a utility company story by Will Swordstrom. <laughs> yes. Interesting. That is also true. <laughs> Good call. So check that one out. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, they did send it to me for review, um, so I just want to disclose that. But it is it is really cute, and I'm enjoying it so far. Cute and also, you know, moving. It's not, it's not like cute, fun stories. It's like pretty serious stories, uh, sci-fi, fantasy, apocalyptic tales. Very nice. See, the dogs liked it. Yeah, they're like, wait, you're not buying this book? We're going to bark upstairs right above Tom's mic. And then the cops are going to come and, the and cops arrest are you come for not buying this book. There you go. Perfect. Well, let's hop into the book of the month discussion. Um, so, Tom, tell us about your pick. We're going to discuss uh, January's pick and then get into our wrap up of Arrows of the Queen. Yeah, I decided to just go ahead and, and make a unilateral pick this time. I, I like to do votes, and I will continue to do votes, but not always uh, votes, not always open votes. We like to mix it up. I went back and forth on this. Uh, I had a lot of of, of thoughts. I, I want to do Mary Shelley's Frankenstein this year, but I didn't want to start the year off with it. Um, I want, I'm interested in doing reading Planet Fall by Emma Newman, but it doesn't seem to be getting, I don't know, the widespread appeal of something I wanted to, because it was January, I was like, I want to start off with something that that feels like like a good good beginning to the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers looked interesting out of the Io9 uh, thing, but I finally settled on, because I kept going back in my mind to this book, I finally settled on Radiance by Catherine M. Valente, because when we interviewed her, I got so excited about the premise of the book, about the idea of going back to that era of Lee Brackett, that, but telling it in a modern sensibility and having it be sci-fi. Uh, so yeah, that's that's going to be uh, the pick for January. Uh, if you want a really good kickoff, go watch the interview with Catherine Valente that we did in November. But here's, here's a real brief uh, version of what the book is about. Severin Unk's father is a famous director of gothic romances in an alternate 1986 in which talking movies are still a daring innovation due to the patent-hoarding Edison family. Uh, so mm-hmm. we haven't had the uh, the progression in technology that we've had in our world. Rebelling against her father's films of passion, intrigue, and spirits from beyond, Severin starts making documentaries, traveling through space, and investigating things like the levitator cults of Neptune and the lawless saloons of Mars. Sound familiar? Uh, For this is not our solar system, but one drawn from classic science fiction in which all the planets are inhabited and we travel through space on beautiful rockets. Severin is a realist in a fantastic universe. 
And the other thing was, this one was available on Kindle, in print, and audiobook. <laughs> and, I, and I try not to, I try in my head to be like, no, we should pick the best book. It should not matter what format it's in. Uh, but I know that it can be frustrating for people who prefer a particular format. So that was the other thing that helped me with this. Like, it's available to all. The big question, though, is it WhispersYNC? Mm. Oh, you just had to bring that up. I had to bring that up. I don't think it's WhisperSync. It's not WhisperSync. Nothing ever is anymore. I know. The publishers don't want that. I don't know why. They make more money. They they make more money. They sell two things instead of one thing. But then they have to do the work. I don't know. Anyway, uh, don't let that bother you. (laughs) Sorry. Go and enjoy... Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to like bring the world together here okay. and be like available for all formats. It's also Whisper not Sync. available in trade paperback. Sorry. Oh. Yet. Oh. That's coming out October 18th. Maybe I should have waited. Now, see, now you're making me i um, No, no, no. It's good. It's a good pick, Tom. Good pick. All right, Excited. Good. Looking uh, forward to it. It's time for a spoilery wrap up, isn't it? It is. We are wrapping up Arrows of the Queen. Like a present. This, of course, by Mercedes Lackey. Um, We talked a little bit about it in the last episode, but now, as Tom mentioned, this will be a spoilerific wrap-up. So, Tom, uh, just give me your impressions. How did you... You you said earlier in the episode that you were feeling a little waffly about the whole thing. Yeah, and I feel like the book is waffly a little Mm, bit. Uh, mm -hmm. there, There was a point where I was really enjoying the story, and then I went back and picked it up, and I felt like I was reading parts that I had already read over again. I'm like, okay, we get it. Talia's nervous. She doesn't think she fits in. She doesn't understand her powers, uh, but she doesn't feel like she belongs and she doesn't want to go home. And and that, that outsider story is great. And I thought it was told fairly well in the beginning, but it felt like it just kept going and going. And then finally we had some stakes raised and she almost died and she falls into the ice. And I'm like, wow, okay, we're getting some adventure mm-hmm. here. We're getting some exciting. intrigue. Uh, and I was back into it. Uh, and I'm like, stakes are raised. Maybe she's, you know, she's she's almost, she's on the edge of death. This is good. Um, I mean, not good that she dies, but good that, you know, we have we have conflict. We have something, you know, that that we can fight for and root for. Uh, and, and, and it goes back and forth like that throughout the book. So I am of two minds. In one mind, I find it to be uneven and a bit, I don't want, tedious would be way too critical for this but i just i just found it to not move the way i would like it to move and to be a little light uh in in its consequences but then at other times when it started to get going i found it delightful and i would and i mentioned this on the last show i would never have suspected that a story about a girl and her horse <laughs> uh could could really keep my interest and and there are definitely sections where I understand this is why Mercedes Lackey became so popular because this is her very first book. And so you're seeing the flashes of what she would eventually grow into as a writer. And I'm like, wow, okay, yeah. There, there's something fantastic about Talia and how she has a total lack of confidence with adults uh, and especially uh, male adults, mm-hmm. which is entirely believable. And yet when she is dealing with children, which she had to do in her previous life, she gets her confidence. And that I, I've seen that in real life. Like I've seen that play out where somebody is just a, a total mouse in front of authoritarian people. But once she's comfortable around the people that she's familiar with, she kicks in and becomes, you know, very strong and confident and in, in the things that that she knows how to do. So I, I could see 
the value in here. It just it just felt uneven. Well, it was it, it is very much a I would say a YA novel. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they didn't call them that back then. But yeah, it was, whether it was intended to or not, it mm-hmm. definitely fits that now. I didn't feel like there was enough horse time, frankly. <laughs> I, I thought that as a as a book that was kind of pitched to me as oh, the one with horses. You know, I felt like the relationship between her and um, Rohan, Roland, Roland, Riders of <laughs> the Roland. Riders of Ro- Roland. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I felt like Roland and Talia's relationship, like while they dug into it, I, I thought that was going to be a much more substantial portion of the book. I assume it, was, it becomes more in future I'm books because sure. this is the first of a trilogy that also turns into an entire world. It just seemed like maybe she wasn't surprised enough that she could communicate mentally with a horse. She seemed pretty surprised when she, it in the beginning. Happened. But then, I, I if I, I mean, could suddenly talk to, to a horse, I would just be hanging out with the horse all the time. Yeah. And I guess she had other jobs to do and errands and, you know, what are they called? Duties. Duties. <laughs> and Chores. And chores. That was the one. And yet, I don't know. I felt I wanted more horse time. Wanted more horse time. All right. I could see that. The horse is, the, is a very good mystery. And that, that was another thing I didn't expect. I thought the horse would just be sort of like, oh, it's my magical horse that can do anything I want. And there's not. There's limits to what the horses can do and they can die. And, the, you know, they're, they they choose their people very carefully. And there's a whole mythology behind how they were created uh, that I found fascinating. And I kind of like that she didn't give everything away about the horses. Uh, but I, I, I can see what you mean. If we could have gotten more of their story as well. I felt like it was taking a back page a little bit to everything yeah. else, to the intrigue going on around us. Um, and also very confused about how they, they mentioned at one point that Roland just kind of, I don't know if it was Roland or one of the precursor horses, but they just like appeared in the middle of the field one day. Yeah, and that was like, a little weird. And like, so the, are, are they actually magical? Are they like made of magic? Or do they come from somewhere? Did he just like sneak up into the That was the, field? the one thing I didn't like was like, there used to be magic in the world and now we have this broken kind of magic. And I, and I guess that wasn't as much of a done trope in the 80s when she wrote this, but it's kind of a done, that's kind of a done mm, trope. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of um, Sanderson and the um, that other series we read. The one with the, um, you know... Tom, what was the Sanderson book we read? The city that disappeared and had yeah, all and the, all they all that magic, and now they have kind of like leftover magic. Yeah, yeah. We Except that was well, very well told, in my yes. opinion. That that there was a very good reason why the magic had died, and there were consequences for it and everything. So, uh, but again, first book mm-hmm. uh, that was not Brandon Sanderson's first book that we were reading. Um, okay, so to get to some of your responses out there over in Sword and Laser World, uh, this one cracked me up. Uh, Steve was reading a pa- the paper book version, paperback version, which I also read, and uh, he was pointing out some pretty funny typos that I also got a kick out of. For example, you're dong quite well, <laughs> instead of you're doing quite well. And, uh, and goddess instead goddess. of goddess. Oh, Taryn, I saw her die. Goddess. See, that one cracks me up, especially because it's not like it looks like goddess. Yeah. And I'm not even sure. Did they just leave it? Like someone hit a C by accident 
And then they just left it because no one noticed it wasn't actually I, a G. Somebody, yeah, I, I, somebody made some crack about spell check, and this was made in the days before spell check, pre spell check. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't go back and re spell check them. Uh, so somebody looked at it and said, "Oh, I thought it looks like a G. Like it just it just passed by yeah. people. That you're dong quite well, less so, less um, so." These were copy edited. Somebody else made a crack crack about nobody does copy edit anymore. That may be true for blogs. Uh, and I, I as, as far back as 2002, I had to fight to keep copy editors on staff at TechTV.com. Uh, but publishers use copy editors. That that doesn't mean they're perfect and they don't miss things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had more of a problem with the with the uh, the way it was printed. Oh yeah, it, it printed very far into the fold of the book, and oh, so I had to gutter. really crack the spine in order to to read the ends of of some sentences. Mm. But that's also just a paperback issue from time to time. Not a good printing offset. Guess not. Uh, Anne uh, pointed out that there were a lot of feminist ideas in the book and worked into the story quite well. The portrayal of the Holderkin as a patriarchy in the worst sense is one thing that really stuck with Anne. Uh, She says, but there are also a lot of other small things, Ilsa and Karen's relationship, the powder to avoid getting pregnant and have control over Mm -hmm. your moon cycle, and a general feeling of equality in the collegium were all woven into the story quite neatly, something I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, I thought the it, it was very before its time in a lot of that. In some I, ways, I was yeah. struck. I was struck by that very much when I was reading it. Um, yeah, having having birth control. I mean, that's in a YA novel from from that time period. Is, yeah, is I mean, birth control wasn't so controversial in the eighties anymore. But enough. But still from a woman's perspective, YA, like you don't yeah. hear it hear about it that often. You don't even hear about it that often now. Birth in, control like, was a big deal in the seventies. Yeah. You know, that was like the because it was technically mm-hmm. feasible mm-hmm. in a better way. And going on the pill was controversial for a while. By the 80s, it was pretty normal. Um, but yeah, I mean, putting it in a book like that, I think is unusual. Yeah. Um, so that was that was interesting. I, I was, was more cool. blown away by Ilsa and Karen's relationship because that is something that was very controversial in the 1980s. And not only did she put it in there, but she kind of just treated it as normal. Yeah, there was a little bit of like this. We're not totally open about this. It's mm-hmm. not like because not everybody super... is as cool with it as they right. should be. But but yeah. they 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 worked it in nicely, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and then Steve says uh, a rare negative review. He has a, a a kind of long, and he did a great job preventing spoilers in his post as well. Yes, well done, um, Steve. Yeah, but he he says that maybe it's because he was a he's like a forty something year old guy. <laughs> he's probably not the target audience. Um, but Tom also as a forty something year old guy, forty five. Yeah, you had a a, a a a good overall feel. But I think maybe you had some of the same issues um, with yeah. the book, perhaps that that Steve did as well. Just no, the, the language of the book, for example, being yeah. swinging between overly simplistic or wildly wordy. Um, in one instance, the author drops the word enunciation into a <laughs> sentence without appearing to understand what it means. And another, she carefully is explaining what trauma means. Um, so just some weird little turns of phrase or explanations where they don't need to be or. OK, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean. I agree with some of what Steve says. He says all of the interesting events happen off screen. Some of them do, but not all of them. Uh, we get the visions of very interesting events. Uh, the chase of Talia into the river, we absolutely, yeah. is a very interesting event that we get to see. Um, 
I, I know what he means. I think he's just writing a little, uh, a little bit in the extreme to make his point. Um, but the one thing that he says is he thinks Talia is a Mary Sue, and a lot of people in this thread agreed with him. And I, I don't want to take a dump on Steve because I actually think Steve's Please making don't. a good point, and no one deserves that. Let's no. be honest. Uh, I, I, there are weaknesses to Talia's character that that are debatable about like, well, is she a realistic character? Is she a sympathetic character? She sometimes has stakes, like when she is driven into the river and then sometimes she doesn't. Um, but I, I am really done with Mary Sue. So Mm -hmm. done. Okay. Uh, people just throw it around now about everything. And I went on a little rant in current geek this Monday when we talked about star Wars, the force awakens, because there's been some discussion about one of the characters being a Mary Sue. Uh, and it, it's basically become, if I don't like a character and quite often it's a female character, I'm going to accuse it of being Mary Sue. It's just become meaningless. So all I would say to Steve and anyone else is before you throw Mary Sue out there, think through what you actually are saying and try to say it without using the word Mary Sue because it's becoming an epithet. And when I read it now, mm-hmm. I just read, I don't like characters, right? Like uh, Harry Potter can be a Mary Sue in a sense. He he, he is in an, uh, he's in a bad family and then is taken away to a magical school where people yes. love him and support him. And that's Talia. I mean, it's the same. It's the same story. The the Mary Sue like elements of Talia are the same Mary Sue elements of Harry Potter or Quoth, uh, who is you know. People have a- said that before for sure. Yeah, as well. and and I think you undermine your own criticisms of a character when you throw out Mary Sue. Mary Sue came about in fan fiction, particularly Trek fiction, because of really egregious characters that showed up and did everything perfectly and everyone was stunned and loved them and they never did anything wrong. Talia does things wrong. Talia almost dies. I don't think she's a Mary Sue. Is she as strong a character as maybe she could be? No. And I and I think Steve's got some some appropriate criticisms there, but it's just a plea from me to like let's not use Mary Sue as a crutch anymore for I didn't like it. Because uh, mm, I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's becoming meaningless, and it causes people to say like, "Oh, well, you just don't like female characters, or you just don't like fantasy characters," and it just gets in the way of having a productive conversation. So yeah, I agree with you. I think um, it's 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 sad how much overused it has become, and I and I think you're right. A lot of times it is used as a as an epithet. Um, against a female character in a lot of ways. Characters, you know, many characters are still going through growth. Um, You know, part of being a female character, being read by a female audience sometimes, is that, you know, the whole point of, a lot of times authors want you to relate to the character. I mean, that's kind of the whole point. You're supposed to be able to relate I, whenever I talk about this, I always think of Thomas Covenant because everyone always uses that as the example of like a main character that nobody relates to. Uh-huh. I keep hearing that. I haven't actually even read those books. Yeah, yeah. And yet it always, always comes up to like, oh, well, yeah, 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 no, but nobody really likes him. And people felt like that a way about Quentin too. Sure. A little bit in The Magicians. No, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but for quite frequently, I think over almost overwhelmingly, the point of a protagonist is supposed to be the person with who you're experiencing the story through, through their eyes. So if you don't relate to them, if you don't feel like they're having you know, you could be in their shoes, then it's not, it's not necessarily going to be a great experience. But I know Mary Sue is supposed to be much more like they're, you're, you're, 
getting all the stuff. How, how do you explain it? It's it's. I mean, I would ex- I would explain the, the way it or- originated, and and obviously you can use it to mean different things. But the way it originated was the character has no flaws. No flaws, yeah. And does everything perfectly and everyone loves them because it's wish fulfillment for the author. Uh, but people have started to use it to criticize a character who does things really well or or does things better than most people. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you can't have fantasy then because the whole point of fantasy is you have a heroic character. Freaking Arthur would be a Mary Sue at that point because, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, he was chosen and then he pulled the sword from the stone. Oh, look at Arthur. Everybody loves him. It's not a Mary Sue because there are stakes and things bad happen, even if he does rise above them through most of his story. And I feel like Talia's not a Mary Sue because Talia does have people who don't like her and try to kill her. And, and she isn't perfect at everything. Uh, there are things that she is is not that great at. Is she a little too good at a little too many things? Arguably. And I think that's a productive conversation to have. But just throwing the epithet out there doesn't help. Well, I got our show title, King Arthur is a Mary Sue. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. Yep. Let <laughs> but, me just, uh, wow, we're, we're doing well on titles here. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed the book, though. I don't know if I'll continue reading the books uh, in the series, but I, I, I'm glad we read it. I was looking forward to reading some Mercedes Lackey, and I, yeah. I think this was a good one. It was long overdue for me, uh, and I'm glad that I read it. I'm not saying I'll never read another one. It, I am not uh, rushing to read another one, but I, I have a better opinion than I did before, which is the way it should be. Like I shouldn't have had any opinion not having read her. So question, um, do you feel like uh, Talia and Skiff should have boned? Well, that comes us, brings us back to the young adult mm. aspect of it. Uh, and I can see why Mercedes Lackey in her first novel uh, was probably a little leery of like, hey, I'd like to get published. Maybe I just won't mess with that tiger uh i think if it was being put out today then there would have been some talk about your action happening off off page i I think that it would have been implied that they did they were a little young she was a little young at least yeah i think that's that's why i would end up saying no is Mm -hmm. that the characters are probably too young for that okay it frustrated me but when i think back on it she was a little young not i'm not judging yeah in no way judging but i can see why mercedes lackey was like give her a couple more books yeah. Perhaps. Let her get out of high school. <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps it up for this edition of Sword and Laser. Of course, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons at patreon.com slash sword and laser. So thank you all very much for your support. Um, we will be having our monthly silliness uh, next month, I guess. Yeah, we had one out already. We just had one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you support us at that level, uh, go enjoy the game show that is our monthly silliness. <laughs> That is now apparently the format. So good luck to us. And uh, you can also support the show by buying books. Do you buy books? Why are you listening to the show if you don't buy books? Uh, Go buy them through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about, some of our favorites as well, at swordandlaser.com slash picks. And even if you don't want to buy those books, if you click on one of those links and then buy another book, we get some credit for that. So please go start your book buying procedures at swordandlaser.com slash picks. And of course, you can get in touch with us. We always love hearing from you guys. Um, You can go over to our website at swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And did you know you can call and leave us a voicemail? 4157-SWORD-6. 
that is a thing you can do. And we will listen to that voicemail and maybe even play it on the show. And of course, we are always looking for you to leave us wonderful reviews on iTunes. And yeah, by just, wonderful... Just put the five stars in. I mean the stars. You don't have to write need. the review. Nah. Just write a review of Arrows of the Queen in there instead. Just... That's a good idea. Very good idea. Or just write a review that says happy holidays. Yeah. Or just write a review that says you like dogs better than cats or Tell whatever. rocks. Just review anything. If you yeah. have a review of anything you want to write about, that's fine. Just write King Arthur is a Mary Sue. There you go. All right. We will see you guys at our special Hawaii episode coming up soon. Have a great holiday and we'll talk to you then. Aloha. Impressive. Mahalo.